On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got a chance to talk with Jesse Kaufman from Shipping Tree. We had a great conversation all about third-party fulfillment and when it's appropriate to actually talk to a third-party fulfiller, what types of businesses work really well with third-party fulfillment, and all of the things that go along with that. I think you guys are going to love this if you've ever thought about getting somebody else to fulfill your product. Before we begin, we wanted to let you know some really exciting news and something that we've never talked about before on the podcast. Our team at Mindful Marketing is growing, and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we are looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. Now, on to today's episode. Okay, and we are live. I am here with Jesse Kaufman from Shipping Tree, all one word. Jesse, welcome to Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Hey, thanks for having me. We had the discussion before about it's one word, shipping tree. (laughs) Jesse, tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do. So, uh, you know, I'm a mid late 20s entrepreneur, started a e-commerce focused 3PL company. So that's third party logistics um, almost four years ago now. Cool. And um, yeah, we're, we take a very merchant focused approach and we have a, our own tech and all that good stuff. Awesome. I really want to get into uh, today why somebody would rather go to a 3PL. So let's, let's just think of a, a 3PL as like it's your third party person who's fulfilling your orders for you. So there's mm-hmm. a bunch of different routes you can go. You can fulfill your own orders. You can go to um, a, a 3PL would be like a- Amazon would be considered a 3PL. Amazon fulfillment by Amazon. FBA. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That would be yes. So that'd be another one. And then there's services like Jesse's out there. Jesse, walk me through, why would somebody go to a service like yours? Like what, what's, what's the point? So I always say, you know, there's a couple different reasons. Um, there's the entrepreneur, you know, just starting out kind of bootstrapping their way, testing the waters, seeing, trying to get their online store off the ground. And, you know, at first, if they're doing, you know, 50 orders a week, um, or 50 orders a month, you can manage that yourself out of your apartment or your house. Yeah. Um, but once you get to a point where the shipping process is like eating up an hour, two hours of your day. Okay. And I, I really think at that point, it's time to start evaluating 3PL services. Okay. So uh, is that a certain amount of orders you think, or is that just a timing thing? Like if I think it's up an hour. Cause some, some companies, you know, if you're a, uh, an apparel company and you have a really um, dialed in unboxing experience with like tissue paper and yarn and whatever, um, it's going to take you longer to pack an order that instead of just like shoving a pack of vitamins in a poly bag, you know? Um, so depending on the pack out process, that's what could change the, the time frame we're talking about. But generally speaking, if you're spending an hour to two hours a day on your shipping processes, like start talking to a 3PL because that's, it's not your core competency and your time is going to be better spent building your brand, focusing on products, creating partnerships with other brands, stuff like that. 
Yeah, 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 totally. If you can use that hour to reach out to other brands to to start to, you know, do contests together or exactly, you know, try and potentially sell each other's products or all of that kind of stuff. I, I am totally with you. Now, let's let's talk for a brand like um, like my wife and I's clothing company, Little and Lively. We have about 550 SKUs a season. How, how would that work as far as like a 3PL is concerned? So some 3PLs won't work with companies with high SKU counts like that. Um, others specialize in okay. companies and, like that. And how about for you guys? Like what, what's your like, like specialty? Like what are the kind of companies that you guys love to work with? So we absolutely love, and every 3PL loves companies with low SKU counts. And totally small, makes sense, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and small items. But we do work with apparel companies um, we're just very selective. Personally, we're selective about which apparel companies we work for. If you have a company that has a high skew count like that, it's really important that you do everything on your side to make the job the 3PL has to do as easy and seamless as possible. So making sure each unit is in its own poly bag and has like a clear label or barcode on that bag. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just stuff like that really makes our lives a lot easier. Um, cause you have to remember at the end of the day, these three PLs have, you know, a hundred, 200, 300 other customers. They're not going to know your product as well as you do. So you might think like, Oh, you don't need a barcode. That's clearly like the palm tree print, but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There's someone yeah. in the warehouse, like they're looking at, you know, a lot of different stuff every day. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. So when somebody, uh, walk me through the process. So somebody decides, hey, you know what? I'm spending two hours a day doing fulfillment on my own. This is driving me crazy. I need to get this outsourced right now. What's the process? What, what does it look like? So they reach out to you. What's next? Yeah, so make sure you get some data together. So, you know, you know your volume, no average units per order, um, budget in what your margin could accept in terms of giving away for a fulfillment company. Yeah. It's going to cost you money and you have to make sure your margins allow for that. And how does that cost work, Jesse? Like what is that based on? So for us, at least it's essentially, you could think of it every, anytime we have to touch a product, there's going to be a charge. Okay. Like that's, you're essentially paying per touch at three PLs. So there's like a base charge for the order and that always includes the first item with us. Okay. And then additional smaller charges for each other unit that we have to put into that same order. Gotcha. Gotcha. So if you have a, if you have items that don't cost a lot and you sell a lot of them, you're going to be charged a little bit more based on that because you guys have to touch each individual item. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. If you have a lot of, a lot of items per order, your fulfillment fees are going to pile up a little bit. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So for, for a company, like, like what's like, what's the ideal company that it just is a no brainer to switch over like average order value, that, that sort of thing. Yeah. So, you know, average order value, at least 60, $60. Okay. I would say. Um, and you know, you, you'd want to have, on your side, at least a, you know, fifty to sixty percent margin. That's what I would be comfortable with. Yeah. Um, and then doing, you know, I would say probably a company doing over, around five hundred orders a month. Yeah. 
the founder, if they're doing their shipping themselves, it's, is wasting too much time doing their shipping. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so that's probably the threshold I would look for if I had okay. my own. My own okay. That's, that, that's good to know. So 500 orders a month. That, that's probably a lot of the listeners that are listening to this right now who are fulfilling um, their own orders. I mean, I, I talk with founders sometimes who still they're doing, you know, at least seven figures and they're still doing their own fulfillment. They don't even, they're not even, they, they haven't even hired somebody to do that. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. That's so, and at that point I could see how it must be so hard to let go of the process and to, but it's, it's one of those things that you see the benefits um, once you switch over to 3PL, like you slowly start seeing the benefits pick up. Um, and so all of a sudden, those founders are going to have more time for outreach within their community, building yeah. the brand, building their, their following, kind of creating that community with their product. Um, it's little things that all of a sudden they have like the extra hour, two hours, three hours a day to do that really start kind of aggregating and, and making a difference. Totally, totally. So when an order comes in, so let, let's say, I mean, most of the people listening to this are going to be on Shopify. That's just, I mean, it's the, the gold yeah. standard now as far as e-commerce yeah, is concerned. Um, what happens when an order comes in? Do they have to forward that order to you? Like, do they have to manually? Oh, no, so that's another thing. It's all kind of like set it and forget it with us. You, okay. you go through the onboarding process, the onboarding process, it's, uh, you know, it's not complicated, but it's not just as simple as signing up for Slack or something like that. You know, it's not just like creating an online account. There is some work to do with someone, totally. online, you know, but once all that work is done, takes a few days, it's really like a set it and forget it type system. And that's another thing, like those founders that are doing seven figures, fulfilling their own orders without employees or even with employees, like, I don't know how they take vacations but people need to they take don't. time off yeah you need to take time off like there's other things to consider so with us it's set and forget it you could count on us we're open almost every day of the year um your order ship out within within 24 hours and you know like if you really want to live that tim ferris like four hour work week yeah type life you need a 3pl yeah even if you just want to have a 40 hour work week yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah, like that's, that's yeah, totally shipping is is not one of those things that you should be dealing with. Okay, talk to me about returns. How does that work? Yeah, so returns with our with our web, we have a web app that manages everything. So it's like okay. an order management system for our customers and a warehouse management system for us. And that hooks up with Shopify. Data flows back and forth. Um, so returns inventory as well, then inventory, order data, tracking yeah. numbers, everything, yeah. returns, cool. refunds. Yeah. Um, so you could trigger return in Shopify, like the normal way that you would normally do it. Um, our system could help you automatically send a return label to the customer, which is nice. Yeah. Um, we also have integrations with companies like loop. I'm not okay. sure. If you're, um, I don't, I don't know that one. So Loop is great. There are these Shopify plugins. You, you pay a monthly fee and they send out with your confirmation email, the customer will get a link where they could kind of initiate the return process themselves. Very similar to like the Amazon experience. Gotcha, so gotcha. So they don't need to like contact someone on your team, tell them what's wrong, get the return label. Everything's done right away. Um, so we have integrations with companies like that as well. 
Cool, cool. Yeah, we use Returnly. That's the one. That yeah, exactly. Happened. Very similar to Returnly. Yeah. We, have an, we have an integration with them as well. Okay, cool. Cool. That's awesome. So, and then returns come to the brand or come back to the warehouse? You could configure it. So some of our clients, um, you know, clients more in like the luck space, yeah. they want the returns to go back to their head office. They inspect them. And then they'll send us like quarterly the returns that are acceptable to restock. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Most brands get it sent back to our warehouse and you know, we have a uh, rule of thumb. Like if it's a consumable product, if the seal's broken, put it like in the quarantine bin. Gotcha. If yeah. All the seals are intact. You could restock it. It's, you know, common sense type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So let's talk scaling here. Uh, Cause I mean, that is the, the title of the podcast, uh, Secrets of Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. For you guys, let's, let's talk scaling. How have you guys found ways to scale your business to be able to meet the demand? Because I'm sure the demand must be just massive out there. Like I'm sure you're turning away more people than you're taking off. (laughs) Totally, yeah. Hey guys, just a reminder from the beginning of the episode. Our team at Mindful Marketing is growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we are only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply to start the process today. Now, back to today's episode. Um, so like for Shipping Tree, when I started it, you know, I found... Um, like you could call him an angel investor, but he was more of a partner and we bootstrapped this to where we are now, um, close to 50 total employees, two warehouses that we own and operate, two that are part of our network, um, a software development team, all from nothing. And it's really, um, it's almost more of like a mind over matter type mindset that you have to have and like always be optimistic and be willing to take risks and like step outside your comfort zone. I think that's like a huge key to scaling that kind of goes um, untalked about because a lot of the articles or interviews you you hear about scaling, it's, you know, founders that have raised $60 million, like, yeah, okay, it's really easy to hire a team of 100 people and scale your business with that. Yeah, um, yeah. But, you've been, wanting- but you guys have bootstrapped everything. Yeah, but, you know, just every dollar goes back into the business. Um, you know, we, yeah, it's uh, it's, a, it's really like a risk-taking thing. And then at a certain point, you have to realize when, like, when we started out, I was doing everything. I was doing accounting. I was doing marketing. So I was like, doing products. I was doing op- operations. It was, like, insane. And it was great for the first year. Like, I enjoyed every minute of it. Um but like burnout is a real thing. And you like, I've hired people that are way, way better than me at marketing, way better than me at operations, way better than me at product design and stuff, you know? So being willing, like your business is your baby. You've nurtured it to, to somewhat success, being willing to kind of hand that baby off to, um, you know, people you've essentially just met and are going to pay money to, to run. Um, it's scary, but you need to do it. Totally. And I, I feel like that's the, 
the difference between a job and a business, right? You just have a glorified okay. job when you're doing everything yourself. Yeah. That you're exactly. probably getting paid less than if you were to go work for some corp, <laughs> like doing the yeah. same thing. You'd be getting paid a lot more uh, until you start actually hiring those people to do those things. You're not running a business, right? No, exactly. Like yeah. no one starts a business with like the daydream of them like hunched over their computer at two in the morning. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So. I'm so excited to work a hundred hours this week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Totally. It's people part of the journey. Work. It's part yeah. of the journey. You need to do that, but you need to know when to be like, okay, I could afford to hire someone who's way better than me at this right now. I'm going to. Totally. Like, maybe give yourself a pay cut for the first few months to give the business a break or whatever, you know? Yeah, totally. Well, and you could think of that pay cut as you're, you're really actually giving yourself a raise in time, right? Because exactly. time, is, time is really the only thing that we have that's more valuable. Um, yeah. You know, m- money's one thing that's great. You get to a certain level and it doesn't really matter, right? But your time is so valuable. Totally. Um, I'm sure we all know that, but it's, it's really hard to think like we, we personally, I've been trying to um, cut back my work week, right? Like that's the next level is like, okay, well, we're, our standard of living is great. Um, let's start to cut back that work week so that I have a life that I'm like going to be super proud of mm-hmm. when I'm 80 years old and look back and be like, man, that was amazing. Like we did some amazing things for people. Yeah, totally agree with that. Yeah. So if you could look back like four years um, when you guys started, what would you do differently? Um, I honestly like hire more people sooner. Yeah. I feel like that's my biggest regret too. Like with, with both the marketing agency and our clothing company, it's like, yeah. why didn't we hire that person sooner? Like I was just scared, you know, that's what yeah. it was. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny as we as we're scaling our agency right now because we have massive influx of clients um, coming mm-hmm. in right now. Um, we're realizing like we got to hire ahead of this, and and maybe like take a little risk because exactly. Other otherwise you're just going to be it, there's there's this this whole thing of like okay we got to make sure we're always profitable right I really do believe in in profit first. Um, I think that that's a great thing, but at the same time you do need to hire ahead of demand. Hmm. Um, so it's, yeah. That's the tricky part. Yeah, like my board gives me, so I've put together a board over the past few years, just cool. uh, uh, friends, I've, whatever, people I've yeah. met on this journey. Can you, can you get into that a little bit? We've, I've, I've never really actually talked with people about that before. What, talk, talk to me about what that, what that process looked like. Yeah, so you have to be really careful and selective. And it started with, uh, with one person. Um, so we had the board was myself, our quote unquote angel investor, um, and this other person. And then, um, right now we're five people on the board and it's people that I click with and, um, you know, that I really respected. Um, two of them are C-suite executives at publicly traded companies. Like don't just, give a board seat to your friend who did well in business school. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, yeah, so, so find, like, find people who have actually done, done it before. Yeah. And you give them, so they have advisor shares, you know, they have a small piece, nothing crazy. Um, and it kind of gives them incentive. People like that, they love working and working through problems that smaller companies are having. It's like, 
you know, taking them back to their glory days when they were like one of these guys built was a, a founding member of a, you know, of a publicly traded company. Like, so he was where I am now at one yeah. point, you know, yeah. and so reliving those moments vicariously through us, I think he enjoys. Uh, yeah. I feel like you're almost like you're almost doing them a favor. Like I can picture myself in like 10 or 15 years being like, oh, I just want to challenge. I just want to like, like, Help yeah. and, and see like oh these guys are doing really cool things here let's like come alongside of them yeah so putting together a board it's uh yeah it's cool and just be careful yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's great hey we're gonna move on to our, our lightning round here uh what is your favorite tool or app that you're using right now slack yeah <laughs> slack so like what would this world be without slack we, we didn't use yeah. I think I've only we've been using Slack for like the last two years. I'm like, what was life before Slack? Yeah. It was crazy. Text, email, all this like communication that's just yeah. all over the place. I mean, I heard your Slack going off a couple times here. I know. <laughs> I haven't figured out how to just like mute only my Slack. I knew it. I, I use an app. Uh, I, I use this a workspace app called Shift. Yeah. Um, and then that's where Slack is housed because I have so many different Slack workspaces. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's it's super super cool. Um, and then okay. I just turn shift off during podcast interviews. So, yeah, highly recommend for everyone out there, especially if you have multiple Slack groups or, or yeah. uh, Slack workspaces. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, favorite podcast that you're listening to? Um, my favorite podcast all time, Hardcore History. Oh yeah, I like that one, Dan Carlin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, I think that's the best part. And then oh, uh, just a monster episodes. Oh my God. They're insane. Like in LA. So I live in LA most of the year and um, my commute to the warehouse is like an hour. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 So yeah. it's like five, five kilometers away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the, they're monster episodes, but I'm like a huge history fanboy, and um, yeah, it's cool. Oh, that's good. You know, it's nice well, to hear the, the majority, I'd say 98% of my podcast guests say how I built this is their favorite. So yeah, I mean, it's good, but like, I like, like podcasts I find are recreational. You know? Totally. Totally. Yeah. 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 That's great. And do you have a founder that you look up to? Um, Toby from Shopify for sure. Oh, good um, one. Yeah. I think he's like such a beast and what he's done like that's such a good startup story, a founder story I find because he's like not Harvard, not Stanford, not American. Yeah. Um, has yeah, like good, a, good Canadian kid. He's German actually. Oh, I thought, yeah. I thought, I thought, but Shopify is a Canadian company. Totally. Started in Ottawa. He gotcha. started like as a side project while he was in, I think MBA school. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and that's just, like you could call it right time, right place, right time. But I think it's like more passion and he just dialed in on the vision so well. And totally. And th like, think about the lives that have been changed because of Shopify, yeah. right? Like cool. Awesome. Shopify is like a massive company probably making like, I, like, I don't I started I don't, this business because of Shopify. Yeah, totally. We wouldn't have our business. I wouldn't yeah. have my agency and I wouldn't have my clothing company without Shopify. There's just no yeah. way. I, I wouldn't have been able to to deal with WooCommerce and deal with all of that 
backend sort of stuff. Like Shopify is incredible. Thank you. That's a, that's a really, really good, uh, uh, really good um, founder to look up to. Cool. And I obviously need to do some more research on him because uh, I just assumed he was. He's crazy. a cool guy. He's into like car racing now and stuff. He's cool. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Hey, where, where can people find out more about you, Jesse? Um, I don't know. I'm a bit of a private guy. Um, yeah. I mean, like my personal life is my personal life. I like to keep yeah. it up. Yeah, yeah, cool. That's great. Uh, and uh, let's let's talk business then. Where, where can people find out more about your business? Yeah, so, you know, follow us on, uh, we have a an Instagram account, The Shipping Tree. Follow us on LinkedIn. We're also always posting industry updates um especially now with everything going on with covid like there's new things coming up every week you know uh usps is tracking stopped working for a bit in a, in a part of the country like stuff like that so we're posting updates on that um yeah so follow us on facebook and linkedin we're easy to find at shipping tree one cool. word cool awesome well thanks so much for your time today totally appreciate it yeah thanks for having me it was a good time Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.